We just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to worship you. We thank you for this time. We ask you to be here as we look at your word, as we look at this season that we're celebrating your birth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about characters and people of the Bible. We talked about uh, Elizabeth and, and Zacharias. We talk, talked about uh, Mary. We talked about Joseph. And today, we're going to kind of jump ahead to the event that would be right after his birth. We're going to look at the shepherds. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And they were in the fields of the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you shall, and this shall be the sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothing, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass when the angels were gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known about abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard them wondered at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and, it was, and as it was told unto them. When we look at this, and we think this wonderful story about shepherds. Uh, now, the first thing we want to establish is, number one, shepherds were despised people even in Egypt, uh, Israel. Uh, they were not well liked. They spent their nights out with the stinking animals, <laughs> taking care of animals, and they stayed out there, very much like the Wild West when we had the uh, herders and the uh, ranchers who would drive their, their animals to the market. Uh, you needed them, you wanted the meat, but you really didn't want to be anywhere near <laughs> the, 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 them because they'd been out on the field usually for months at a time and they stunk. Uh, they didn't really mind each other stinking because that, they all stink about the same, but shepherds were like this. They stayed out in the fields for weeks and months at a time, and when they would come into town, they were rejected people. They were, they were go, go get your bath first, and then we might want to have something to do with you. Uh, so we kind of read this story, and we don't think about the way they looked at these shepherds. These shepherds were not the person that you wanted to come to your house. And we think about this as we look at this. They're out in the field taking care of their sheep, and an angel comes to them. Now, the amazing story about the birth of Jesus is Jesus is God becoming man. And where does he go to be born? He goes to the palace, right? <laughs> well, we all know that that's not true. He didn't go to the palace. He, he went to a rich family and was born with a silver spoon into his mouth. No. You know, he went to Mary and Joseph, very humble people. We're not going to cover this, but in the next section here in, in uh, Luke, it says that when Mary goes eight days for her purification ceremony and the naming of the child, they offer 
two turtle doves. That is the poor person's gift to God for that, that event. If you were wealthy, you offered a lamb. So because they offered two turtle doves, we know they went out to the street, grabbed two turtle doves, and brought them in for the offering, and that's what the poor person could do. They could go out, get the doves, and make the offering. So Jesus is born to poor family, not to the rich, not to the wealthy. He's born in a stable, more likely just a cave, and he's laid in a manger. Now we think, oh, isn't this cute? He was laid in a manger. Well, think about this. That manger, just a few minutes before he was laid in, it was used to feed the, feed the animals. They probably dumped it out, cleaned it up a little bit, maybe put some fresh straw in it, and put him in there. And the animals are probably looking at this manger saying, what are you doing with our food dish? Okay, because that's what the manger is. The manger was a food dish for the cattle. <laughs> You know, we kind of glorify it like oh, he was laid in this wonderful little, <laughs> no, he was laid in a food feeding trough. You know, we, we build these wonderful stories up about how wonderful Christmas is, but when we really start looking at them, we've talked about how Mary and Joseph's life was turned upside down. They were sent to Bethlehem. You know, they lived in Nazareth, some 120 miles away. And Mary, nine months pregnant, has to make a 120-mile journey, not in a car, not in an RV, <laughs> most likely walking, maybe some kind of cart that was made for her. And of course, they did not have lots of shock absorbers and all those wonderful things, so every bump she would have felt if she was in any kind of cart. And even if she was on a donkey or something like everybody shows on all the movies and stuff that the Bible says nothing about. Can you imagine trying to ride a donkey 120 miles, five to six days of on a donkey? <laughs> if you've ever ridden a horse or a donkey or anything, you know that's not the smoothest ride in existence. Yeah. She had a hard time with this. Nine months pregnant to make this trip to Bethlehem. And then to be told there's no room at the inn. And we're not talking a motel place where you would end up having a room to yourself with a bed in it. We would talk at their inns. They would have their dinner in the room, main room. Then they would roll the tables to, off to the side. And you found floor space. With the other 30 or 40 people that were sleeping in that room. Yeah. This was her wonderful accommodation they were turned away from. It was probably good that she went out to the stable <laughs> to have this baby. There's privacy now involved with it. They also didn't have hospitals to go to. So you would be lucky to call the midwife to come to you. Mary's in a town where she has no family support at this point. Probably doesn't know where the midwife is in Bethlehem. You know, and when they hear the stories where the innkeeper's wife probably took care of it, probably was the innkeeper's wife who took care of her. Because you know, Joseph didn't know anything about being, giving birth to a baby. He was a carpenter. He wasn't even somebody that did it, did it with the sheep or the animals. He was a carpenter. Yeah. Miserable accommodations, miserable place, and she has this baby. And God sends angels to speak to shepherds. The most important people in the town, which you already said is not true. 
the most despised people of the town is who God says, come and see this baby. Come and see the Christ. Now, for you that have been mothers, how would you like to be the first visitors to see you in your, after your baby to be these stinking shepherds that nobody likes? <laughs> and they come and tell you that God said to, to see this child. You know, think about this. Most, most mothers don't want to see anybody <laughs> right after the baby's born. They barely want to see the baby. <laughs> and they don't want to see the husband even. And usually what do we have? The husband there, the family there now, days. You know, in Mary's case, the visitors were shepherds coming to, to see this baby. You know, her first instinct probably was, go away. I don't want you to hear. You guys smell. I don't want you to, you know, I don't want you to see this baby. But she hears the news. The angels have made the announcement. And what do they say? It says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. Well, I think you probably would be afraid. If you were out in the middle of chloride, and all of a sudden a light shone around you in the middle of chloride, you'd probably be afraid too. And this is in the town where you might have a light shine on you. They're out in the middle of the fields. No light. And a light shone around them. And the angel's announcement, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Christ, anointed one. That title, Christ the Lord, told them that it was Messiah. The title Savior was kind of strange to them. The Jews were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for deliverance from Rome. And we've talked about this. Rome was con had conquered Israel. Rome was a foreign government over them. Up until this point, there had been several rebellions against Rome. The Jews this uh, season celebrate Hanukkah. If you don't know what Hanukkah is, Hanukkah is a celebration where the, where the lights stayed on in the temple for, seven, for eight days, excuse me, with enough oil to run them for one day. That's what Hanukkah celebrates, a miracle of God to keep the light in the temple running, which is why they have the menorahs and the lights and all the celebration for eight days. Now, what caused this? was the Maccabean rebellion. The Maccabean priests rebelled against Rome and were trying to kick Rome out of Israel. And they were brutally beat. That's what Hanukkah celebrates. And this is an event that happened slightly before Jesus was born and is mentioned in the scriptures that Jesus celebrated the Festival of Lights, which is Hanukkah. So Hanukkah is a story that happened a couple hundred years before Jesus and was already popular by the time Jesus was born. And when he was ministering, it talks about him participating in it. But there's all these events where Rome was trying to be kicked out of Israel. And they've been waiting for a Messiah. Do you realize that the Jews are still waiting for the Messiah because they look at Jesus as not the Messiah because he didn't get Rome out of there and he died. The shepherds were told they're going to be a savior. A savior, one who will deliver you not just for physical deliverance, but for spiritual deliverance. Our whole purpose for Jesus to come was so that he would die on the cross 33 years later. The whole purpose he came. 
We're told through the scriptures, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's how John pictures him in the book of Revelation. Behold, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And we've talked about this in several times. God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man. And the one thing God knew the man was going to do was that man was going to sin. Now, I've said this over and over. I do not know why God made man knowing that he was going to sin, not even a long time after he was created, but a very short time after he was created that Adam and Eve would sin. And it's called the predeterminate counsel of God, and it says that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit got together before they even created mankind and said, we're going to create these, these human beings, they're going to sin. And the Father said, Jesus, I'd like you to die for them so that we can redeem them. And Jesus said, I will. From the moment Jesus said, I will, the Father saw him as the sacrificed lamb. Even before the world's created, before man's created, God saw the Son as the sacrificed lamb. It was not a surprise to Jesus and God that the man sinned. Genesis 3.15 gives us the very first prophetic statement that Jesus was coming, and that was just moments after they had sinned. And that said that your, your seed woman will, will, strike, will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will cr strike his heel. But that all would be bought back by that activity. Jesus was born according to plan from before the foundation of the world, and he was born to die. And, you know, that's kind of a hard thing to think of. You know, when we have children, in the back of our mind, we know they're going to die. Okay? The only thing absolutely certain in this world is that we're going to die. Every single person who's ever lived either is dead or will die. You know, it's the only guarantee you have. Jesus was born not only to die, but to die the cruel death of the cross. And that was the whole purpose of his coming was so that he would come live the perfect life and die for our sins here the shepherds are told the savior is there the savior is there and it says and this shall be a sign for him you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger you know, not the picture you would have thought for the king the Messiah, the king of the, king of the nation. If you were going to be looking for him, you would have started probably where the wise men will start about two years later at Herod's palace in Jerusalem. You know, obviously, the king of the universe would be born in the palace. That's what you would think. The shepherds are going, told, go look for him in a manger. Go look for him in a manger. Now, I don't know how many mangers there were in Bethlehem. Bethlehem wasn't a large town. So I don't know how many stables, how many mangers there would have been. At least they didn't have to go to every single house, necessarily. Can you imagine the shepherds coming to your house? Uh, we're here to see the baby. Is there a baby in this house laying in a manger? Uh, about the third or fourth house, people would be calling the police to come get these crazy nuts. Uh, you know, these guys are nuts. They're asking about babies in mangers. <laughs> uh, you know, imagine this. You know, we've talked about some of these things that people go through. 
They're going around every stable looking for a baby in a manger. You know, again, I don't know how many stables there were and how many mangers there were in that town, but it wouldn't have taken long for them to go, what's wrong with these shepherds? <laughs> we think they're pretty bad in the first place, and now they're looking for a baby in a manger? And we, you know, we think about the, when we think about these stories, you know, we think of these wonderful Christmas stories and we've got these mythologies built up around them. And the reality of it wasn't anywhere near this. You know, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, strips of cloth. And then it says, suddenly while they were listening to this message, a whole host of angels came, showed up. Oh, we've talked about this before. Remember if somebody sees one angel? It appears that they didn't do what most people do, fall flat on their face. Uh, but it did tell them to fear not. So they may have fallen flat on their face. They're definitely in fear. And this was the first angel that shows up. Next thing you know, there's a, you know, it doesn't tell us how many, but it says a host of angels. Now, a host usually in those days was over 100 up to 10,000. They were afraid of one angel. Imagine what it would have been when they saw 100 to 10,000 angels, all praising God. This was a long-awaited event for heaven as well as for earth. The angels are praising God. They probably don't understand it. God has become a man. This had to have been an intriguing thing for the angelic world. God, we've been worshiping God since our creation, and now he's become a man? You know, one of those silly little things that keeps sinning and rebelling against God that he sends us to go protect, and he's becoming one of them? Has it ever entered your mind what an amazing thing it is that God became man. And he became not just man, but he became what we call the theanthropos. He became 100% man, 100% God in the process. And those of you who are like me that like math, you know that 100 plus 100 does not equal 100. Okay? Uh, and it should have been he was, you know, not 100% God, 100% man. He should have been 50-50, which is what Greek and Roman mythology and even Norse mythology and every other mythology, the gods come down, have sex with a woman, and they end up with a God-man that's half and half. The scriptures teach us that Jesus was 100% God. 100% God. He was also 100% man. Born of a woman, so he had no sin nature. He could live a perfect life so that he could be the sacrifice to die on a cross and become sin so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven by accepting that gift. It's an amazing thing that was sent out here. And these shepherds show up, finally show up at the right cave with the right manger and a baby in it wrapped up in strips of cloth laying in a feeding trough. And what do they do? They worship. You know, I, would, I think they probably were wondering from the very beginning, you know, why are the angels coming to us in the first place? 
Why are they sending us to a feeding trough? For the, for the, for the Messiah? You know, this was not where they would have expected the Messiah to have been born. Now, I don't know what the best house was in, in Bethlehem, but that's where you probably would have gone to first. The Messiah is born. We're going to go to, you know, whoever the richest person in, in Bethlehem was, we're going to go to their house because it's got to be an important person, an important house to go to. And they end up going to a little cave to worship the Savior. And, you know, they came to, they saw it, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe. And then they went out and they told everybody. It says they went out and told everybody. I love that God reaches down to those who are not supposed to be touched. He went out to the shepherds. He went out to a poor person to, have, to be born of them. He went out and he's, when Jesus is ministering, how many times did he go out and talk to people he shouldn't have been talking to? The woman in Samaria. You know, all kinds of strikes against her. You know, she's a Samaritan, she's a woman, and she's got a bad reputation. Most likely a prostitute or at least several husbands. And who does Jesus preach to? And who, does, who, is she, who is used to reach out to the Samaritans? The woman in Samaria. God uses the most unlikely people to preach the gospel. He goes out to the shepherds and says, I'm going to let you guys proclaim the birth of the Messiah. Now, that means a lot of people would not have listened to them. If they went up to the scribes and Pharisees to tell them about the birth of Jesus... Uh, now get away from us. You, you're not supposed to be anywhere near us. Get, get back out in the fields where you belong. Goes out to the rich merchants. Uh, get away from us. You stink. We don't want you around here. Get, get where you, you know, when you've taken your bath, you can come talk to me. That would have been their attitude toward the shepherds for the most part. And the shepherds are there proclaiming the gospel. Proclaiming that the Messiah has come. The Savior has come. God still, to this day, uses people that are sometimes amazing in churches. I've seen people get called to do things that you're going, God, that person? <laughs> you know, God, you want to use me? And when we bow to, to what he wants, and you, he fills us with his power, great things will happen. God uses those that have no strength so that he can be their strength. And this is very important for us to understand. God is looking for people that don't think they're the greatest thing that ever hit this world to serve him. Because he wants to pour through them. He wants to be used. I've seen people go, well, I can't teach kids, and they end up being the best Sunday school teacher that there is because they know that they can't do it, and it needs God. And they're going, okay, God, I'm willing to do it. How many pastors, if you really start talking to a lot of pastors, you know that most pastors are introverts? And they're called to do a job that takes them in front of people and talking to people all the time? It's kind of funny because I talk to a lot of pastors, and I am one of them. <laughs> they would rather just be stuck off in an office doing my own thing than being out with people, and yet God puts us as a pastor dealing with people because it's not our thing to do. And a lot of pastors are that way. I've been finding out a lot more of them are like that than, ever, than I ever even knew of. Why? Because God says, I'm going to be the one that does the work. 
I'm going to be the one that does this for you. I'm not going to let you lift up yourself in the process. God uses the shepherds. He uses a young girl. Now we talked about Mary. She is young when she gets the message from the angel that she's going to give birth to the Jesus. She's a spouse. She's somewhere between 12 and 16 years old at the oldest. And she's going to give birth to Jesus. God uses a young girl, uses a young, young family to raise Jesus. And I don't know about you, I don't know that I would want to have to raise God. <laughs> that would be quite a challenge to raise God to adulthood. You know, I, don't know, I don't know what that would have been like. I've thought about that occasionally. You know, what would it have been like to have to raise Jesus? And he wasn't really that special of a child. He was a child. He would have needed his diapers changed. He would have needed to be fed. He would have needed to learn how to crawl and walk and run and do all the stuff he needed to do as a human being. Now, he was God. He probably knew a little bit more than people and, and learned quicker than maybe some, but he was still a child that needed to learn all this stuff. And yet, he's the Savior the Savior of this world, the Savior, our Savior. And it says that they went out and it says, all that they heard them wondered. You know, just as we would be wondering, uh, what's wrong with these lunatic shepherds? They went to see the Messiah in a stable. You know, he should have been born in, at the top of the hill with the, in the fancy house with a silver spoon in his house. If it really is somebody who's going to deliver us, he should have been born someplace really special. But yet they're hearing. They're hearing about the angels. That makes impact to them. The fact that they came and left their flocks and came into the town was a big deal. To, to leave their flocks and come in to see the Messiah was a big deal. And Mary, it says, and I love this at the very end here, it says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, we think about this. How much did Mary really know about all of this? She may have known how to read. In her day, women were not necessarily taught to read. May or may not have been taught to read. Heard some verbal things on the scriptures. All she knows is she's supposed to be giving birth to the Messiah. The Messiah is going to be the one that delivers the nation and is going to run, rule the nation. So in her mind is, okay, I've given birth to a king. You know, not understanding it. You know, she's of the line of David, but she is so far down the line, it would be like somebody in, in the royal family in, the, in Europe giving birth to the, to the 600th uh, uh, line heir. You know, okay, they're, they're in line of the king, but they're not going to become king. <laughs> they're not even going to be considered a prince <laughs> because they're so far down the line. That's how far down the line she was. She's so far down the line, it's like, okay, he is an heir, heir to David's throne, but, you know, so, so, so am I, and so is Joseph. You know, we're, we're so poor, we're not going to see anything from this. She doesn't understand. Then he starts ministering, and people start hating him, trying to kill him. And then one day, they successfully kill him on a cross. Anybody who's lost a child knows what that feels like to lose a child and yet she's going to watch her son die the most grotesque death that's ever existed. 
hung on a cross in a way that brings total shame. They did not crucify people with any clothing on because they wanted another layer of uh, of punishment to them and, and suffering for them. She gets to watch her son die the most cruel death. And his last words were, forgive them, they know not what they do. She's not going to understand any of that. She's given birth to be the Messiah. He's supposed to be the king and ruler of the world, and she watches him die. Probably at that point wondering, was I lied to? Did I misunderstand the angels? Have I totally misunderstood this, this whole event? Because she didn't understand it any better than anybody else in that day and age. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven. Such a powerful plan that God had in place so that he would come for our forgiveness, that we could be accepted back into fellowship with God. Adam and Eve had a wonderful life in the garden before their sin. They got to meet with Jesus every day and talk with him and learn from him. Every night in the cool of the evening, God in flesh appeared before them. Pre-incarnate picture of Jesus talking with Adam and Eve every every evening. And then they sinned and broke that fellowship. And God had to provide the benefit of Jesus Christ dying. Every single person in the Old Testament was able to come to God because of the death of Jesus that that was going to happen. Because as soon as Jesus said, yes, I will die, that forgiveness was already bought. They of all the saints in the scriptures have come, will come before God because of Jesus' death. They just did it before it happened because God knew that it would happen. We look back to it and say it already has happened. We look forward to the day when we get our resurrected, glorified bodies. And I'm looking forward to that day of a new body. One that won't forget everything that I, that I learn. One that won't be sore and painful every day when it's time to get up. One that doesn't get hungry halfway through the day each day or after several days if you don't eat after several days. That gets sick, that falls apart, that disappoints. That's our future. Whether it be by the rapture or by death. If we die, we step into God's kingdom. If we get raptured, we step into his kingdom. (laughs) Just as if we died. Except we take our body with us, it becomes glorified in an instant. All of this is what's happening. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus died, was born so that he could die for our sin. And we want to keep that in mind as we go about this season, to keep in mind that the whole purpose of this birth of Jesus, whatever day of the week it was, whatever day and month it was, was so that he could die and bring us into heaven. And we're going to close here. Lord, we just thank you for this day. If there's anybody that is listening to this on, online or in this room, Lord, that doesn't know you, we ask that they would choose this day to accept you, to admit that they're a sinner and to come to you and say, God, I've, I am sinful. I deserve punishment. I accept your gift of salvation. And then seek a way to start following you and making you Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for this time that we look to worship you and, and celebrate the fact that you have come. That you have come for our salvation. In your son's name, amen.